Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Bhagavad Gita in a Year. We are making our way through this. Um, we Today we are on Chapter 2, Text 25. It's Day 24 of our study. I know this is getting pretty confusing. Day 24, Chapter 2, Text 25. And I'm here with Chaitanya Turan, our teacher, and Balaram. And we are learning about the incredible qualities of the soul. It's just such a wonder. We're it's evening here, so we're winding up, but it's such a wonderful way to just wind up your day thinking about the internality of the soul. So with that, uh CC, do you want to take us into it? Sure. Avikaryo Yamuchati Pasma Devam Viditvainam Nanushochitumarhasi. It is said that the soul is invisible, inconceivable, and immutable. Knowing this, you should not grieve for the body. So Krishna is continuing a description of the soul by stating its attributes. So now again, some of the attributes can seem a bit confusing over here. Avyaktoyam. So, vyakta, it's, it's invisible. That's fair enough. It, uh, we see material things with our eyes. We can't see spiritual things. Just as we can't hear sound with our nose. Or we can't have, we can't sense smell with our ears. So, material senses they can't perceive spiritual realities. So that's invisible at the point of it. So that's fair enough. The next point is being said is, it is inconceivable. Achintyoyam. So literally, what would it mean? If, if we can't, does it mean we can't contemplate on it? If we can't think about it? Then why should we even think about it? Why should we even care whether it exists or not? So, the point is, every particular statement has an implication to it. We have to contemplate to understand our identity, because the soul is who we are. But, we can't catch it with our intelligence, with, within our conceptions. We can get a fair sense of the soul. But it is not that it's something which can be completely comprehended. So inconceivable means it's not that it can't be thought about at all. Mm -hmm. What it means and what it does not mean if you consider. Mm -hmm. Can't think at all about it. That's not the point of it being inconceivable. What it means is can't get a conclusive understanding merely by thinking. So that will be described later in the Bhagavad Gita that we have, we follow processes for spiritual awareness being developed. So that those processes are broadly called as yoga. Then that will lead to, we can realize by spiritual practice. So we can perceive the existence of the soul, we can realize it, but there's a different ballgame, different process for it. So that's mm -hmm. what is being talked about here. 
it's almost like in a different realm like it's not in in our in our arena of conception that we can relate to it on this material platform so it's like that's what that word inconceivable is implying so we can still think about it but we have to we have to contemplate it by spiritual practice for us to really understand it exactly as it's interesting as we are advancing in our study of matter if you consider study of matter we are realizing that that whatever it is that that as it is advancing it is also we are realizing it's much more complex much more subtle the complexity is increasing and now we have papers on particle physics where it said that even a one atom is like a vast incomprehensible universe how many particles subatomic particles are there how do they work so even quantum physics especially which dives into the chimera of subatomic particles quantum physics also they say it's quite inconceivable now that doesn't mean they don't think about it it does work much of our technology is powered by quantum physics nowadays but exactly how it's happening what's happening that is not so easy to understand so inconceivable basically means don't shed your sweat simply on trying to get an intellectual handle on it mm. it you work with it you realize it and then you will you will grow at the point of all this now interestingly krishna is giving these three attributes and tasmad evam vidhitvena therefore knowing this do not lament so these series of verses that these are as i said that this particular analysis is centered around the theme don't lament so arjun is thinking that oh my loved ones are going to die and i am going to kill them but if the soul is specifically say unchangeable if you can't even see the soul how can you kill the soul if you can't even change the soul how can you destroy the soul mm-hmm. so if you can't kill then you don't lament in the western intellectual tradition specifically the greek or roman tradition socrates was a powerful thinker and he was poisoned to death he was sentenced to death and at that time he was asked do you lament the death sentence you got that the, your enemies have caught you and they want to kill you he said that they can't even catch me how will they kill me so uh, what he meant by that was that they can't catch me the soul they can't even see me how are they going to catch me that's so cool how catch how and how kill now yeah now of course exactly what socrates said and there is some debate about it because socrates hardly wrote anything we know socrates as is as he was told to us by plato his student but generally plato's account is considered to be overall faithful and this is not just one place as before this was towards his death but even before that during the course of his life socrates friends wife had passed away and at that time also socrates talked about, about encouraging his friend to not lament by telling him about 
the indestructibility of the soul. So this was a consistent teaching. But overall, the idea that if I really understand the soul, then I won't lament. That is the key theme. Mm. That uh, is not just something which is a, it is not a unique Gita teaching. It is that that we have a core, we all have a core that's, that is that is eternal. This is an insight which it's almost universal. Many, many people across history and geography have had this insight. But it is very emphatically and clearly articulated in the Bhagavad Gita. Hmm. Yeah, we just we identify so much with the external that if we identified more with the internal, we would understand that the ex we would place less importance on on the external dress, right? True, true, very true. Did you talk about this word immutable? Yeah, it's it's the same as unchangeable, essentially. Avikaryoyam. Okay. So. <clears throat> But it's a good point. Let me make one more point about it. When we talk, I, talk, I said there are two controversies. The soul's existence also is a controversy that we mentioned in the first session. So there is, that we can infer the existence of the soul through the presence of consciousness. Hmm? Now you could say this is more of an internal thing. I know I am conscious. Now I reasonably know that you are conscious. But... Uh, it's a more of a self-experience. You experience some food to be delicious. You experience some taste to be bitter. So now, is there any external characteristic also? So that is, you could say, ensouled life. Ensouled means that's life which has soul in it, or you could say ensouled matter. Normally, ordinary matter, it just goes through three changes. There is creation, there is deterioration, and then finally there is destruction. But there is some matter, what we could call as ensouled matter, or what biology tries to call as living matter. It goes through some other changes. It's more like a cycle. There is birth. Now, after birth, there is growth. Then there is reproduction. Then there is maintenance. Then there is aging. And then there is death. So now, in some ways, creation and birth are similar. So I could say, creation and birth are similar. Now, deterioration and aging, they are also similar. And destruction and death are also similar. But these three, growth, reproduction, and maintenance, they are significantly different and remarkable. 
So it's that we humans, and not just humans, other life forms also. We don't just uh, exist. We try to we try to be we grow. So it's like each one of us is unicellular organism. Now we are complex beings. Even the most sophisticated computer, the computer doesn't grow. The similarly, it's not that a a computer doesn't reproduce. And if my hand is cut, it heals itself. If the stable is cut, the stable it just stays cut. It doesn't heal itself on its own. So the presence of these three characteristics are also an indication. of the existence of the soul that there is something dramatically different between on physics and chemistry on one side which is broadly the study of matter this is physics and chemistry now the conventional scientific understanding is that biology is just the study of matter as it is present in life this is biology is just extension of physics and chemistry but it's not just extension because biological matter Behave significantly differently. Now we could try to induce some of these characteristics uh, through technology and all those things, but the point is that it requires enormous, sustained human effort to observe what happens in nature and how we can replicate it through our technology. But why is this naturally this huge difference between matter? as it is normally present and matter as it is present when there is some life in it so this these three further things they are their pointers so vikar the mutation the change immutability mutability so there are special changes that happen also when matter is when matter has a higher presence with higher spiritual presence within it hmm. okay yeah that's interesting so, to think about like the machine that it's encased in is designed to grow and reproduce and may and maintain that's like the the system that the soul is designed to go inside yes that's really cool that also makes sense then when when that system dies when it's time for that system to die it makes sense that by the whole cycle it, there's another one for it to to um to go into to ch- to change yes perfect hmm. any comments balram oh, can we go back to inconceivable um yeah yeah that was really fascinating uh what you said about you can't get a conclusive understanding um by mental you know just by thinking so what does that mean about the nature of like spiritual realization is it stored in the intellect or is it stored in the soul like the yeah. attachments we will talk about the nature of the covering on the soul later but put it briefly right now we are talking about just two levels of existence there is soul and there is body almost but generally there is spirit and there is matter 
now the interface between these two is itself quite complex and this is on how that interface is going to work that that understanding that was very complicated and that is one of the main reasons why in western thought the idea of the soul lost circulation or even credibility because the soul and my body is so different how do they interact what is the mechanism the gita talks about something called the mind or which is a which is broadly a shorthand for the subtle body and the subtle body acts as a interface so the common here krishna is not talk about subtle body especially this will come in the fifth six chapters more but since you brought this question the standard metaphors for this is that if the soul mind and body they are like the user software and the hardware in a computer system so the the impressions they are stored in the software where the impressions are stored they are not in the soul and actually when the reincarnation happens the soul goes with the mind to the next body so when there is death so essentially what happens is at death the body itself the body falls and then the mind along with the soul so they travel into another body so that's how the impressions are carried into that body have you guys ever seen Have you ever yeah. seen those shows where like kids remember their past lives? It's like like really young kids show signs of remembering their it's it's kind of crazy. Yes. <laughs> crazy people, I, I mean. Yeah, it's true. I have written a whole book on this topic of reincarnation. He must find reincarnation. So I did the study of past life memories of children. And it's a fascinating study. So there are um, simulated memories and there are spontaneous memories simulated means children are deliberately asked and yeah. that may or may not be uh, sometimes they are simulated through hypnosis or whatever now they could be true but the most most uh, intriguing the most credible are the spontaneous and these kids have amazing details it's not just since you brought it up in this mention that first is they have recollections Uh, they will say, they will say to their parents, "I'm small now, but I was big before." And, and then they will say, "I they say I lived here and I had this name and I used to have I had two brothers and they give very specific recollections." And sometimes the parents just think, "Oh, you're just fibbing, you're just imagining," but they're very insistent, and they will say that I want to go and see that family. and when they are taken there there are recognitions they mean they may be in a place where they have never been before so there was one boy t2 agar t2 agar sharma in in a normal north indian city 
and this was several decades ago where transportation was not so common. He said, "I want to go to that city." And he says, "He was a small boy," and he said, "I am married. I have a wife and I have children." And when he he was brought to that city, he had never been there. He got to the railway station, and he directed the rickshaw. Go here, go here, go here. And he said that, you know, I am Suresh Verma, and I have a electrical 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 shop. And he went there, and there was a woman over there, and she was a widow. And he went to her, and he was a small boy, but he was treating her as if he would treat his wife. Oh, he recognized yeah. her, recognized his children. And this, these children were actually older than him, but he was fondling their hair like a father would do those kids from previous okay. life. There's not only recognition, then there are behaviors also. Like I said, this I'm bringing that point only that there are sometimes some kids they just behave as if they are the previous person. Mm. And so, for example, the kid may grow up in a family where. meat is never eaten but the kid just loves eating meat okay goes in a place where people always drink coffee and he says i i want tea and he goes and he goes there and he immediately drinks tea and it's just like normal for him so behaviors and the most persuasive which has been found is birthmarks and birth defects so in the case of this t2 he this is in the previous life person uh, suresh verma he had been Shot point blank when he had just returned home from his office, from his shop, he was shot. A bullet had entered from his right temple and gone out from his left temple. And T two was born with swellings on both his temples, and the mm-hmm. swelling on the temple from which the exit wound had come, the bullet had exited. That normally when the bullet goes, it goes from one point. When it comes out, it causes greater damage by the time. So the exit wound was actually that the, te- the swelling on the left side was bigger. So. These are there are these cases of birthmarks and birth memories also, sorry birthmarks and birth defects. Mm-hmm. These correspond to the location of the final wounds of the fatal wounds from the previous life. So this is the mind carries those impressions. Now of course the previous body has fallen. Now most of the time these spontaneous memories occur in the case of sudden or violent deaths. Not always. But in many cases, this is what happens: mm. sudden, violent, or premature deaths. So basically, the soul has not been able to get a sense of closure. When one life ends, there needs to be some closure. When there's no closure, the soul has physically gone to the next body, but that need for closure keep, makes it keep replaying the events from the previous life. and the person is thinking oh i was hit i was hit i was hit the soul is thinking i was hit, i was injured and that although the physical body where the bullet had hit had gone already but the impression had been created on the mind and when that mind enters into another body that mind changes the next body so i like to call this as transmigration lag mm-hmm. just like we have jet lag So when we go from one country to another country, very suddenly, our body functions as if it was in the previous country. So like that, when the soul leaves one body and goes into the next body, the soul's cognitive functions become a little disjointed. So partly it's functioning here, partly it's functioning there, 
And that's why most of these kids, when they go to their previous families, it's not that they say, oh, I want to stay here only bye-bye. I don't care for you. No, they want to stay there for some time, talk with them. And once they get a sense of closure, then they come back and they resume their normal lives in this life's journey. Crazy. Yeah, the show I was watching is like you met these kids and you saw them recollect like their memories. And it was like undeniable, the the details that they remembered. And because when you hear the story, you're like, no. But then when you see it and you actually see the kids and the families talk about it, it's just like normal people. And, you know, it doesn't happen a lot, but it happens. It's crazy. Yeah. So researchers have also tried to uh, develop a scale of credibility. So one of the key things is if the two families don't know each other, that means the, the child from this family and the family to which they belong to, the child claims I belong to in the previous life, they don't know each other and they haven't met each other. And if the first meeting happens in the presence of a researcher, the researcher is observing, taking notes, doing video recordings, then there is no possibility of any foul play or even any unintended uh, unintended suggestions causing the child's behavior to be influenced. So there is a lot of credible evidence also according to these scales also. So even according to scientists' own scales, there are some cases which are much more credible and far more difficult to explain. Not every story of a past life memory is accurate, but that mm-hmm. doesn't mean every story, uh, not every story is authentic, but that doesn't mean that every story is inauthentic also. There are many which raise serious questions uh, that can be answered only by considering the the pers- the the notion, the idea that the soul is that the same person lived before at a different time and place and is now living here. Yeah, it's interesting. Balram, so, any comments before we finish? My mom was really into past life things. She used to read up, and the whole family thought she was a little out there but this is very interesting i've never heard it uh, laid out the explanation so it's very very cool okay now does she think that you are out there now yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's good yeah so nice so to summarize we mainly discussed two points today we discussed continue the discussion of the characters of the soul so that it is Incon- actually, three things we discussed. Inconceivable. What it means? Can't know only by thinking. Not that we can't think about it. Then, then we talked about what it means. It's immutable. Soul doesn't change, but the soul causes distinct changes in, in the body that it occupies. And soul matter it has these three additional features that it exhibits. Growth, maintenance, and reproduction. And then lastly, we discussed that the soul actually, while we can't directly conceive its existence, it can infer its existence. Uh, So we can infer the existence in various ways. We talked about the existence can be inferred by presence of consciousness and presence of these three extra changes. But the the continued existence or reincarnation of the soul 
that can be inferred through past life memories and these past life memories are not just memories although that's the highlight that recollections recognitions and their behaviors and there are also uh, birthmarks and birth defects thank you very much hari krishna hari krishna